0: So our our scripture for this morning comes from the book of Jeremiah, chapter one, starting in verse 11. Hear the word of the Lord. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all the tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord. And they shall come and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem against all its walls, all around and against all the cities of Judah. And I will declare my judgments against them for all their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worship the works of their own hands. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything that I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and the people of the land. They will fight against you. But they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning. It, uh, it is a privilege to be with you, and especially with the idea of a teaching hospital and letting me practice. Um, first service, a lot of people got up and left. Thank you for staying. I appreciate it. Uh, helps the confidence, right? Well, I, I can't get up here without uh, showing off a picture of my baby girl who's just born. Um, that's Claire, she's six weeks old, yeah, she was seven pounds, ten ounces, and 21 and a half inches long, and uh, just for my wife and I, we've just really felt encouraged and blessed by you all, um, not just in the opportunity with me here being able to, to preach and to learn what does it look like to be a pastor, but also just you caring for our family, um, the meals, the prayers, um, just, so thank you so much for that. Um, I think we got one more picture up there I had to throw up too, right, you know. She's just so so cute, um, <laughs> especially at 3 in the morning. Anyway, we're, uh, we're beginning our second week in our sermon series in the life of Jeremiah. And just in case you're new with us or you missed last week, kind of trying to pull you in, Jeremiah was a prophet, um, and he had a, a call during a very difficult time. Jeremiah was called to be God's mouthpiece and speak to the people when they were headed for destruction and when they were going to be... Um, overrun and judged for some of their sin. And and he had a very difficult message that he had to give. And so he actually preached for 40 years without really seeing any real progress um, amidst the people with his message. So a very difficult calling. And just to clarify, when I say calling, it kind of means two things. One, primary calling, maybe some language most of you are familiar with, but we are all called primarily to be in relationship with God, right? That's our primary calling for each of us. Um, but a lot of this message uh, kind of focused on Jeremiah's secondary calling, or we'd like to say his, his vocation or his area of work. And similar for us, whether that work be paid or whether that work be unpaid, um, it, it's the area where you have influence, right? So that could be um, a nine-to-five job, it could be a stay-at-home mom, it could be a student and your influence is around you at school, right? So wherever you're, your area of influence, that's your calling, secondary calling. That's what we're going to refer to when we say calling this morning. So I just wanted that to be, to be clear in our minds as we're talking. So Jeremiah, again, had this really difficult call, um, one that we kind of learned last week. Uh, it was a task too big for him. He, he can't do it on his own. And uh, even in reflecting, I, I think that many of us might have felt the same way. Like last week was a great challenge for us to get up and to do more and to live into that calling. But there's also a feeling of, boy, I, I feel a little overwhelmed with where I am at work. Like, I, I don't think I can do anymore. I'm already at my, my rope's end. And I think many of us might feel that way in our area of influence. Like, I, I'm tired. And uh, even, even with something so cute as that picture I showed you of Claire, that is a true and accurate representation of my daughter. Um, but there's another accurate representation of of Claire, right? <laughs> and that's the one that, yeah, you feel sometimes late at night. and crying, and she's still cute, and even that, but just kind of, uh, I mean that to be a little bit funny, but I also mean that to, to be real. i like, there is this difficulty amidst our calling that I think all of us would say we feel at different times and in different ways, where life is too big for us, the task is too hard for us. Lord, I know you gave me this job to do. I know you gave me this work amidst my calling, but I feel overwhelmed, and I don't have what it takes, and that is certainly how Jeremiah felt. I think that's certainly how many of us feel, and so to kind of get us through and Jeremiah's life as he's, as he's amidst that and he's working on his calling, God offered Jeremiah that we just saw in the reading three object lesson, object lessons or three visions, right? And these three things were were, were meant to help Jeremiah in his calling, and they asked and they began by asking a question that says, "What do you see? What?" do you see? And I think that's one of the questions we kind of want to begin with our morning as we think about our calling. So as we begin, would you pray with me? Father, I, uh, Lord, confess my own inability to live fully into the, to the calling you've given. Lord, I pray this morning that we would learn from Jeremiah. We would see how you've called him and then the lessons you had for him. And Lord, I pray we'd be able to apply them to our own lives. Maybe your word at work and your spirit at work this morning. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so Jeremiah began, uh, those visions that began with the question, what do you see? So I kind of thought we'd start off the same way. I've got a couple object lessons for you, and I'm going to ask, what do you see? So here's number one. Object lesson, what do you see? Great. All right, so th- is that a face facing toward you or looking sideways, right? Which one do you see? So all of you, let's show of hands, how many of you see a face facing toward you? Okay, okay. How many of you see a face facing sideways? It's about 50 50. Okay. So, uh, yeah, object lesson. What do you see? Either way, let's go to object lesson number two. Okay. Who is holding the magazine? The man or the woman? This one's hard, right? I mean, who is holding the magazine? (laughs) I know. The man or the woman? This one took me a while. Uh, How many of you say the man's holding the magazine? Okay. How many of you say the woman's holding the magazine? How many of you just have no idea? I don't want to raise your hand, <laughs> right? Okay, well, I uh, I think it's the man, but I'm not entirely sure. It's a little bit hard, so we can talk about it after the sermon. You know, we can debate, you know, whatever you want. But I think it's the man, right? So, two quick object lessons where I asked, "What did you see?" And in some ways, that might even be a little bit of how uh, Jeremiah feels with some of his object lessons, right? Like, what what, what is going on there? Um, but we're gonna turn. We're gonna look at these object lessons for ourselves. And we're going to see what we see. So the first one comes from Jeremiah 1, verses 11 and 12. I'm going to read them for you. And the word of the Lord came to me saying, Jeremiah, what do you see? And I said, I see an almond branch. Then the Lord said to me, you have seen well, for I am watching over my word to perform it. So that's our first vision that Jeremiah has given, an almond branch. And uh, I think this one's rather self-explanatory, so we're just going to move on to vision number two. Um, Okay, maybe not, right? An almond branch, like what's going on with an almond branch? Well, a couple things we need to know. An almond branch, first of all, was the sign that spring was coming. The almond branch was the first tree to blossom, Um, and actually you can go there today and it's still the first tree, lots of almonds um, near this area, and it would... Bloom even as early as January, right? And when it bloomed, it was a sign that spring was to come. And so, that's the first thing we need to know spring's coming with the almond branch. Right now it's fall, but anyway. Object, uh, the second thing we need to know about it is that it was a, a pun. It's a play on words, proving that puns are allowed and good, right? So, the pun is almond is very similar in Hebrew to the word watching, just one letter difference. And so actually the tree itself was even called the watching tree because God is watching over the watching tree, watching over the almond tree. God is saying, I- I'm watching over this. And we, we, we hear at the end of the verse, watching over my word to perform it. Okay. Great Bible trivia. Uh, but what does that mean? What it means is God is watching over his word perform it. God's word will not return void. What God sets out to accomplish will be done. Now, take this specifically within Jeremiah's calling, right? So his, his calling, his, his vocation as a, uh, a prophet at this time was his specific work. And he's out there for 40 years preaching the word, giving the truth. And yet amidst that 40 years... Two converts, and one of them is his scribe, right? Like, not a lot of things being seen. He needed a visual reminder. He needed a visual representation to remind himself that, yes, every year when I see the almond tree, I am reminded that God is the one at work amidst my calling. God is the one who will see his work done and accomplished. It's not my job to make sure it's accomplished. This is a reminder of God's presence and that God keeps his promises. That's what Jeremiah sees when he sees this almond branch, right? Almond branch, a God who keeps his promises. So just like Jeremiah, we must ask, do you see a God who keeps his promises? Do you see a God who keeps his promises? And um, I I don't think Jeremiah needed a vision. because We talked about these visions that he received. He didn't need a vision of the future and what was going to happen. He needed a vision of the one who holds the future, right? Jeremiah needed to be reminded that it wasn't up to him. It was up to God to perform the work amidst Jeremiah's calling. And I think that's the same reminder that we need to hear. Not just in something here, a same reminder we need to see, just like Jeremiah saw in a tangible ways. Thinking of your sphere of influence, the place where, where you are, are, are giving a lot of your time and energy right? Are there specific ways that you remember that God keeps his promises, that God is faithful to perform the work that you are doing? And I was speaking through, speaking to some of you, I kind of contacted and said, what are ways you do this? Like, what are ways that we take things to remind ourselves God is with us, God is the one performing his word, God is the one amidst our calling to perform it? And so a couple ideas I got from some of you. Um, One of you said simple prayers, that you do going to work or during work, such as, Lord, help me be productive. Help me be productive for the common good and flourishing of my company, right? Simple prayer, something that they do to remind them of God's presence and that he keeps his promises. Another one was a note card um, or a sticky note. I'm sorry, a note card that was actually given during the Matthew series that we did a couple, little while ago. And that was to remind them, hey, when I see this note card, I'm reminded that amidst my work, amidst my calling, that I am to be a servant, I'm to be a servant. Or another one was someone reads their Bible during lunch break. Kind of a reframe during my day. Lord, I need to remember I'm going to read my Bible. Or, and I also spoke to some of you that have uh, pictures or note cards amidst your house. Am I reminding you amidst the busyness and amidst what can seem like drudgery? No, like I, I'm, I'm doing part of my calling. The Lord has called me to it. The Lord is faithful. He is with me. Right? So there's some, there are some neat ideas kind of that some of you are already doing. And I mentioned them. So as a tangible application for you to be thinking through what is something amidst your calling, whatever that might be, might be, again, paid, unpaid, a job or a home, that you can remind yourself of God's presence and that he keeps his promises. <laughs> and think of something tangible that you can do as a reminder, because that's what Jeremiah needed. He needed something that he could see and remember. And I think that we need the same. But just as Jeremiah's uh, first vision was not enough, And he needed to see more. I think we also need to see more. So let's look at the second vision. The second vision comes from uh, Jeremiah 1, 13 through 16. I'm going to read for you. The word of the Lord came to me a second time saying, what do you see? And I said, I see a boiling pot facing away from the north. Then the Lord said to me, out of the north, disaster shall be let loose upon all the inhabitants of the land. For behold, I am calling all tribes of the kingdoms of the north, declares the Lord, and they shall come, and everyone shall set his throne at the entrance of the gates of Jerusalem, against all its walls and, around, and against all the cities of Judah, and I will declare my judgment against them, for all of their evil and forsaking me. They have made offerings to other gods and worshiped the works of their own hands. Kind of a heavy second vision, right? Again, starts off with that question, what do you see? And uh, Jeremiah gives an answer, and there's a lot he sees, but the main thing he sees right here is a boiling pot, right? And this boiling pot, um, it is a symbol of God's wrath and God's judgment being poured out upon Judah. Not exactly the vision that we would maybe hope for at the beginning. A lot easier to maybe understand at first glance, but maybe harder to understand why is God giving the image of a boiling pot? Um, Why is there judgment? And even... As it talks about later in the verses, in verse 15, about them coming and, and setting up thrones in the entrance of Jerusalem. What's going on? Okay. So I think the point of, of the judgment and of the wrath being seen is that while it raises several questions, we'll try and answer one Do you see a God who will right all wrongs? Do you see a God who will right all wrongs? That's the purpose of this second vision. That's the purpose of the boiling pot. Okay, so let's look at how. Um, first of all, we need to understand that this is actually an act of mercy, right? We hear judgment, and like, okay, how does that it go together? But it's actually an act of mercy, because God's people, whom he has called to himself, they are running off a cliff. They're headed straight for disaster, and God sends this judgment as a wake-up call, As a way of calling them to himself. And we're actually going to see this later in the book. We'll get into it later. Um, But God, yeah, he's calling these people to remind them. It's it's, it's similar to the quote of C.S. Lewis. that says that God often uses pain as a megaphone to rouse a deaf world. Right? Like, wake up, come back to me. So this is God's act of mercy amidst amidst them, the boiling pot. The second thing is um, the people are actually very deserving of this. And if you were with us in our previous series, you saw how Ahab and Elijah, like the people of God, have abandoned God who they, were, who they were called to. They've been running from him. They've been following after other gods. They've been doing terrible things, even to go so far as to sacrifice innocent children in order to get appeasement from other gods, right? So they've been headed this way for a long time. Um, but it was another thing we see is this was, in many ways, a way of bringing comfort to Jeremiah, And I think it can also bring comfort to us because amidst the evil and the atrocities of this world, we see that amidst Jeremiah's calling, God promises to right the wrongs, right? God promises to right the wrongs. And I was thinking through this, yes, it's true in Jeremiah's day. It's it's very true in our own day. How many of us within our own calling are often finding ourselves against against what's evil and what just fights against us to where we can't get work done, right? Maybe it's, maybe it's a project you've been working on for a long time and you know this is what I need to do and you're striving to get it done, but things just keep working against it. Or maybe you're a teacher and you just feel like, my students just don't have the ability to learn. There's some systems in place that are preventing them from being able to grow. Or as a counselor, you keep seeing clients come in. Or as a mom, you're wondering like, how many times do I have to discipline my child, right? There's, there's these things that are working against us, and we feel we feel the struggle amidst our call, and we long for the day when God will make all things right, and I think it's important here for us to remember the big story of scripture, right? At, a, at our church, we kind of say ought, is, can, will. Those are our four words to describe the big picture of story, and we need to remember where we are amidst that story. So ought, God created things as they ought to be. Things are good, but then sin, brokenness, evil enter the world. Things are no longer the way they're supposed to be. Here's the way things are. And then we can also remember that when Jesus comes in redemption, now things are this way, but they can be this way. Yes, there's evil and brokenness and systems of injustice that we fight against, and we can bring about some common good amidst our time here on earth. Our work, our calling does matter. It has influence, right? Can, and then also the promise. One day, things will be the way they are supposed to be. One day, God will restore all things and make them new, right? It's a lot there in a boiling pot, but that's part of the vision that Jeremiah needed to see. And I think that we also need to see. Do you see a God who writes all wrongs? Okay, but again, Jeremiah was given more than two visions. And I think this third one's also important. So let's turn and examine this third one as well. I'm going to read for you from Jeremiah 1, verses 17 through 19. But you, dress yourself for work. Arise and say to them everything I command you. Do not be dismayed by them, lest I dismay you before them. And I, behold, I make you this day a fortified city, an iron pillar, and bronze walls against the whole land, against the kings of Judah, its officials, its priests, and all the people of the land. They will fight against you, but they shall not prevail against you. For I am with you, declares the Lord, to deliver you. Notice in this third vision, um, it doesn't begin with the trademark, what do you see? But still, it's another object lesson, another vision that God gives Jeremiah. And it's that of an iron pillar, right? Or maybe a bronze wall or a fortified city, but iron pillar. That's the the image that God gives to Jeremiah for this third one. (laughs) And here's, here's, here's what that means. You kind of hear it in there. Everybody is against Jeremiah. Everyone's against him in his call. And yet God promises to be with him and make him like a fortified city, an iron pillar. And the very end of that says, for I am with you to deliver you. Or maybe we could also say to rescue you. Maybe that's better for our English, to rescue you. And here's the good news, right? Jeremiah is rescued. Like amidst his difficult calling, he gets to go, leave, go to Florida, sit on a beach, and drink lemonade. Like this is perfect, right? It's what we want for rescue, things to be made easier amidst the difficulty. Yeah, I'm totally joking about the Florida thing. But that's the idea that first comes to my mind when I hear of rescue, right? But when we look at Jeremiah's life, that's not what the rescue looks like, right? That rescue actually looks like God's presence in Jeremiah's life so that he is able to endure amidst his calling, right? The rescue looks like endurance amidst his calling. This is probably not what he was hoping for. He probably wanted, Lord, you know, rescue me, like make things easier. But no, God said, I will let you endure amidst your calling. That's how I'll rescue you. I will be with you. And just as that was Jeremiah's rescue, I think that's also our rescue, a rescue for endurance. And so maybe the question I have for you, do you see a God who rescues you? Do you see a God who rescues you? Because this is the same promise that God gives to us amidst our calling, amidst the difficulties, amidst the hardships. And we're sitting there saying, God, I can't go on. Lord, I don't want to do anymore. This calling is too big for me. The task is too big for me. I'm tired. I just want to be rescued, right? That feeling that comes amidst our calling. And God says, I'm going to rescue you. I'm going to be with you. And I'm going to enable you to endure. Right? And again, think about how this was for Jeremiah. 40 years of preaching the same thing. Everybody against him. Two converts. Like, nothing really changes. Yet God enables him to endure. And that's what God promises to do for us amidst our calling. Amidst our sphere of influence. Whatever that might be. God promises to rescue us. So... Maybe the last, what do you see? The big idea that I would have for you, that the takeaway would be, God will see you through what he calls you to. Our last one up here. God will see you through what he calls you to. And again, speaking specifically right now amidst our secondary calling, your sphere of influence, your place of work. God will see you through what he calls you to. And this isn't about making it easy, right? It's not about pulling you out. It's about, allowing you to endure where you are. God has not promised to make it easy. Got a couple, couple analogies or thoughts for you. Maybe you're tired of your nine-to-five job. You're tired of trying to push your project through. You want to do something else. You'd like to find something that makes you feel a little bit more satisfaction. or You feel makes a bigger difference in this world. You'd like to find a different career. Yet what God promises to do is he promises to help you remain. He promises to see you through what he calls you to. Or maybe you're a mom and you're tired and you're overwhelmed with your kids, right? You don't see how making meals, changing diapers, and disciplining kids is making a difference, especially at this moment. You just want to pull your hair out. Overwhelmed. God hasn't promised to make it easy. God's promised to see you through what he calls you to. Or maybe you're a student and at your school, the social issues and the the things, attacks from left and right seem to be coming, bullying, gossip, drama. You long to escape and quit, being stuck in the middle of this judgment and being pinned one way or another, right? You'd love for life to be easy. You'd love for your parents to understand you, your teachers to understand you. You just want to give up. Maybe not only on school, but in other things as well. What God has called you to, he will see you through. What do you see? Yes, I messed up on my words. He's promised to see you through what he calls you to. Okay, hearing that a lot. But what would that actually look like in my life, right? Like what would that, look like for me to try and apply this? So a couple of minutes we have left here. I'd like to think through some applications for you. Okay, here we go. Number one, see a God who keeps his promises. See a God who keeps his promises. This is so important, um, and it needs to be done in a tangible way. We gave some examples earlier, but just hearing that, oh yeah, God's a God who keeps his promises, the, you can forget about it, right? Come up with some tangible ways amidst your sphere of influence that you can remind yourself that God is with you amidst your calling and he promises that his word will not return void. Like your work does matter. It's making a difference. What are some tangible ways? Whether that be a picture, whether it be a card, whatever it might be, some way to remind you. You need an almond branch, a reminder of spring, a reminder of God's faithfulness. Two, do you see a God who will right all wrongs? Do you see a God who will right all wrongs? I think this specifically comes in finding a way to tangibly remind yourself of where we are amidst the big story of scripture. Right? Oftentimes, amidst our calling and amidst our work, we forget about the why behind the work. Like, why are we doing what we're doing? This is a way to remind yourself of the why. And remind yourself that no, things aren't the way they're supposed to be, things are broken and fallen. I'm in an area of the story though where I can be making a difference for the kingdom. I can be working toward the common good of others and trying to to help spread that to others, right? For the flourishing of humanity. I can be involved in working toward that and getting it to a better place. No, it's not the perfect place. That's when Christ returns. But we can be making a difference. Remind yourself of the why behind your work by looking at the story. Give yourself something tangible there. Number three, do you see a God who rescues you? Do you see a God who rescues you? So often, I mean, quite honestly, after the first time preaching this morning in first service, I wanted to not get back up. Didn't go the way I wanted it to. I just wanted to kind of give up a little bit, right? But what is a way of reminding ourselves that God doesn't just rescue us, for, pull us away from difficulty, but to make us and form us and to cause us to do better? Um, he is going to see us through what He calls us to. Can you remind yourself of that with something tangible? You're made for endurance amidst the difficulty. Yes, it's hard. Yes, the calling is difficult. Yes, it's too big for us. But that's exactly where God wants us. God wants us in desperation before him to say, God, I can't do it on my own. I can't do it on my own. It's too much for me. And he says, but it's not too much for him. God, God will see you through what he calls you to. Ultimately, hearing was not enough for Jeremiah. He needed these tangible reminders. So that's, again, why I'm pushing for a tangible reminder for you, that you could see a God who keeps his promises, who writes all wrongs, and who's there to rescue you. Find something tangible. But ultimately, as we, see, we think about these things, the thing that we really need to see is a person. We need to see Jesus. Right? This isn't just the ending we put on the end of the sermon to wrap it up. This is this is the truth. I really believe it. Jesus is the one that we need to see. Jesus is the one who is able to rescue us and call, uh, let us endure. Jesus is the one who came down to right all wrongs and one day will right all wrongs. Jesus is the one who faithfully keeps his word and came to die for us. Right? Jesus is the one we need to see amidst our calling, amidst the difficulties that we're facing when we're feeling like giving up. We need Jesus. We need to be reminded of his presence in our lives. That Jesus is, is the one who we are called to be in relationship with. We need a clearer picture of Jesus. So maybe a challenge to you would be, look to the one we need to see. Look to Jesus amidst your day. Don't forget about him and try and do it on your own. We need to see Jesus. Okay. So with that, I'm going to pray. Lord, again, I confess... Confess my own inability to look to you. Lord, so often I try and do it on my own. I think I can be self sufficient, but Lord, that is not what you've called us to. Lord, I pray amidst the, the brokenness of this world, amidst the hardships of our calling, whether that be at work or at home, Lord, where, where we face the difficulties and we say, Lord, this is too much for us. I want to give up. I don't want to do this anymore. Lord, I need to be rescued. Lord, I pray that you would help us see what rescue looks like, we'd be reminded of your presence. Lord, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he cares not just about some spiritual um, word, work being done, but he cares about every aspect of our lives and that he is involved in our work and in our workplace and in our calling. Lord, thank you for Jesus. I pray that we would see him today. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
0: Uh, well, again, it was, it was a joy to be with you this morning, to worship with you. If you're a guest, we'd love to, to meet you. Stop by at the welcome table. It's right past the giant penalty box in the back wall over here, but, uh, but stop by over uh, in, the, in the lobby. We'd love to get to know you. And, and kind of on that note, just a quick little thing, like you probably noticed the monstrosity in the back wall. Uh, and so it's, it's getting kind of chaotic here, you know, in the midst of the season of four services we know it feels a little bit more fast-paced. We're kind of getting in, getting out. And, and we don't want to create this implicit culture of like, get in, get out, church is done, boom. And, and I just it's, and I wanted to address it for a way for us to say, let us guard against a consumeristic mindset of coming and going in quick-paced church. Let us be even more intentional in knowing and being known as people in this community. And so I just encourage you to think about what are the ways that we can be even more intentional in knowing each other, serving each other. And maybe that means being intentional in in getting to know people in your community group, greeting and meeting new people. Maybe being a two-service family or person, serving and attending and worshiping in one service. I just encourage you to be thinking of those ways that we can, as a church, know and be known together. So um, in the, anyway, it is kind of crazy and chaotic, but it's, it's a joy to be in this chaos with you. Uh, well, as, as we leave to be the church scattered in the places God has called us, I wanted to read this word from uh, the book of Hebrews as our benediction, our good word for the road. The author of Hebrews says this at the end of this beautiful book. Now may the God of peace equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight, through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Go in peace. Have a great week.